Whom Will You Love? That is the title of this week's chapter from Questions Jesus Asked. And first off, let me say this has nothing to do with selecting a life partner or figuring out who your soulmate might be. This isn't about romantic relationships. That's not the kind of love we're talking about here with whom will you love. This is love in a much broader sense. Just prior to telling the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus affirmed the two greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the kind of love we're talking about today, the kind of love we are commanded to show both to God and to our neighbor. After affirming the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself, a lawyer wanting to justify himself asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? That question, who is my neighbor, that really gets to the same thing as our question for today, whom will you love? The lawyer asked who is my neighbor because he wanted to know who am I required to love and who can I get away with hating? Or at the very least, not loving so much. Who does the law say that I have to love and who can I legally, morally, religiously push aside? It was in response to that query that Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan. Our reading for today is from the same gospel, but a different chapter. The theme is the same. The kind of love being discussed is the same. In today's reading, though, it's not a lawyer, but Jesus who is asking the questions. And here are the questions that Jesus asked in today's lesson, Luke 6. 32 to 34. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. The context for these questions is a longer discussion about loving enemies and blessing those who curse you. And the command that we know as the golden rule, do to others as you would have them do to you. That, the golden rule, is what Jesus said leading into these questions that he asked. And we'll get more into that in a moment. But first, I want to talk about why this was such a hot topic to begin with. Why all this discussion about who we need to love? Why all this controversy about who should be the recipients of our love and who should not? Well, if you go back in the Jewish law and look at the legal code upon which this entire question is based, you see there that Loving everyone was not, that was not the original requirement for God's people. The law that Jesus credits as the second greatest commandment is from Leviticus 19.18. But the words, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, those are just part of one verse. Listen to what Leviticus 19.17-18 says in its entirety. 
You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Within its original context there, this commandment to love your neighbor was stated in relation to the sons of your own people, your own tribe, your own family. This law only applied to the people of Israel, who were all brothers and sisters because they were all descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This law about loving your neighbor, again, within its original context, had nothing to do with people from another line, people from another region, people from another country, people from another religion. Love your own. That was the law. Be kind to your own. Be especially gracious with your own. The Old Testament law was very clear in defining who is your own and who is not. Circumcision, dietary laws, purity rituals, all of these were about identifying who is in and who is out when it comes to our people. And who does the Old Testament law command us to love? Those who are inside that circle. Those who are outside the circle, they're on their own. That's not our concern. Now, Jesus was breaking down that whole line of thinking. Jesus was challenging that whole idea that there is some select in-crowd whom we love and everyone else is of no concern. Jesus said outrageous things like, for God so loved the world. So when Jesus affirmed the commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, the lawyer could tell he meant something different by that than what had always been understood. If my neighbor doesn't just mean my fellow Jews, then who are my people? Who precisely am I supposed to love as myself? Here is the answer that Jesus gave from Luke 6, 27 to 31. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. As you wish others would do to you, do so to them. We know it as the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. It has long been recognized that this rule is not unique to the Christian faith. Just about every religion in the world contains this rule in one form or another. As you can see depicted in Norman Rockwell's painting, The Golden Rule. Buddhism teaches, do not hurt others with that which pains yourself. Confucius said, do not do to others that which you would not want done to yourself. 
The Talmud, one of the guiding teachings of Judaism, states, what is hurtful to yourself, do not do to your fellow man. Hinduism says, this is the sum of duty, do not do to others that which, if done to you, would bring you pain. Islam teaches, no one of you is a believer until he loves his brother, that, for his brother, that which he loves for himself. These are just some. They, they all say something similar. Maybe that's why it's called the golden rule. It's the one guiding principle for humanity that every major world religion can agree on. Many of them, as you heard me read them, are stated in the negative. They're about what you should not do, what you should refrain to, from doing. And that's the way with a lot of laws, right? It's about what you're not allowed to do. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Don't lie. Don't speed. Don't cheat on your taxes. So too with many versions of the golden rule. Don't do that which you would not have done to you. You don't want someone saying cruel things about you. Don't say cruel things about someone else. You don't want someone punching you in the nose. Don't punch someone else in the nose. You don't want someone lambasting you for your politics, so don't lambast someone else for their politics. Seems like such a simple principle. I'm not sure why we Christians mess it up so badly. But notice that Jesus takes it even a step further than that. Jesus doesn't just tell us to refrain from doing that which we wouldn't want done to us. Jesus states the golden rule as a positive command. Do unto others that which you would want others to do to you. This requires active participation on our part. It's not enough to simply not harm someone else. Jesus expects us to actually do something to make a positive difference for them. If we would consider it good for us, then we need to be doing that for others. Refraining from hurting someone else, well, that's, that's a good first step. A lot of us need to go back to that time and time again. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we'll find that we quite often do unto others that which we would not want done unto us. Maybe I shouldn't have said that thoughtless thing that I said. That was hurtful what I did. I wouldn't want that done to me. That's the first step of the golden rule, to become aware of the things that we shouldn't be doing because they would be painful for us. We need to stop, make amends, reform our ways. But Jesus doesn't let us stop there. A lot of people wish that they could stop there. They think that they should be able to stop there. I'll just keep to myself and not bother anybody else. That's good enough, right? I'll take care of my own. They can take care of their own. That's the way it should be. But Jesus says that's not the way it should be. Do to others. That's an action, a command to do something good, to make a difference for someone else, to have an impact on someone else. Do to others what you would want done to you. This isn't just don't punch them in the nose. This is go out of your way to offer the hand of friendship. This isn't just don't judge. This is 
sympathize, empathize, try to relate, actively strive to understand the other, just as you want to be understood. This isn't just don't take from them unjustly. This is give freely, not expecting anything in return. Following Christ's command here requires us to exercise quite a bit of empathy. If you want to know the right way to treat another person, you need to put yourself in their shoes, see the world through their eyes, relate to their experience. Otherwise, I'm just imposing my own preferences on them. Doing to someone else what you would want done to you does not mean imposing your preferences on them. My wife hates rosemary. I mean the seasoning, not a person. <laughs> if your name is rosemary, don't worry, my wife doesn't hate you. But she does dislike the seasoning. I, on the other hand, really enjoy rosemary. I would be quite pleased if someone prepared a dish for me with lots of rosemary in it. But if I serve my wife a pork roast seasoned generously with rosemary, because that's what I would like served to me, that is not following the golden rule. And I'm not sleeping in the bed that night either. <laughs> Some have suggested supplementing the golden rule with the platinum rule. The platinum rule says do unto others as they would want you to do to them. The good thing about the platinum rule is that it forces us to empathize. You have to ask yourself, well, what would they want rather than what would I want? And that's really the point in the first place. Empathy, relating, understanding. But even the platinum rule can be misunderstood because everyone knows that what you want is not always what is best for you. Doing for someone what they want you to do is not always the most loving thing. If, you, if what you want me to do is something that I know will be harmful for you, then giving it to you just because that's what you want, well, that's not following the golden rule either. The motivation at the heart of it all is love. Love in the Christian sense, is this. It's wanting what is best and doing what is best for the other. Putting my own interests aside so that I may bless someone else. Looking into the heart of another person and offering whatever I have that they truly need. That might mean food for the hungry. It might mean clothing to the naked, medicine for the sick, shelter for the homeless. It might also mean working toward justice for the oppressed. It might mean comforting the brokenhearted. It might mean extending forgiveness and grace. And to whom are we supposed to act in this peculiar manner? To whom are we to express this kind of love? Shall we maybe play it safe? Be practical? Showing this kind of love to those whom we know are likely to receive it and act in the same way toward us? 
If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? If you're doing it just as a practical measure for what you will get out of it, well, anybody can do that. The heathen can do that. The cheat can do that. The scoundrel can do that. Christian love demands quite a bit more from us. Christian love is the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated on the cross. Christian love is the kind of love that Jesus displayed when he prayed for those who were pounding the nails into his hands, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Christian love is the kind of love that Jesus showed when he washed the feet of Peter, who was about to deny him. When he welcomed to the table those who were about to desert him. When he served communion to Judas, who was about to betray him. Love your enemies, said Jesus. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Christian love is not easy. It's counterintuitive, it's countercultural, it goes against every fiber of my being, my every instinct. It runs contrary to what seems right and natural. And that's the point that Jesus is making with these questions that he asks. If you love those who love you, what credit is that? That's easy to do. That comes naturally. Anybody can do good things for someone who has been good to them. When someone's nice to me, I want to be nice to them. I don't need Jesus' help for that. But when someone talks about me behind my back, when someone questions my motives, when someone attacks my character, am I going to love even them? That's the kind of love that God is calling us to. It's the, the kind of love that God himself demonstrated in Jesus. It's the kind of love that we can only access through grace. Christ working in us. If someone does me wrong, living by my own nature, I want to write them off. But living by the grace of Jesus Christ, when someone does me wrong, I can still love them. I can still want what is best for them. I can still do what is best for them. What I would want done for me. Why? Because even when I was at my worst, even when I had done God wrong, Still, he gave himself for me. Living by the grace of Jesus Christ, I can, I can work to forgive. Why? Because when I was a sinner, Christ died for me. He did all the work on the cross, everything that was necessary for me to be forgiven, for me to have a chance at salvation. He did that for me. 
so that I can do it for others. Jesus presents the golden rule right in the middle of a passage about loving our enemies. Because he wants us to understand that what we need most is grace and understanding. Grace and understanding from those whom we have failed and therefore we must offer grace and understanding to those who have failed us. To quote Magray de Vega, make no mistake when Jesus said to do to others as you would have them do to you, he was talking about the long, hard, and risky road of forgiveness. So whom will you love? To whom will you show that kind of grace and mercy? What's that going to look like? What difference is that going to make in your family, in your household, in your neighborhood, in your church? What impact is that going to have on our world? Will you pray with me? Oh Lord, I ask you to pour out your grace and mercy on each of us gathered here. For we acknowledge, Lord, that we are but sinners saved by your grace. And that when we were at our worst, you were at your best. Doing that work of sacrificial love to forgive and to redeem us, to bring us back to relationship with you. And Lord, we pray that we will be so overwhelmed with gratitude for that love, for that forgiveness, for that grace, that we will be able to live in that same grace with others, offering that same mercy that you have shown to us working for that same reconciliation for which you went to the cross. Lord, we acknowledge that it's not easy. It is perhaps the hardest thing that we ever have to do. But we do not do it alone. We do it by your grace, by your power working within us. So, Lord, we open ourselves to your Holy Spirit and ask you to fill us and to give us that strength to live according to that calling that you have placed upon us. May we pick up our cross because we know that we do not carry it alone, but it is Christ who carries it with us and for us. We pray in the power of his name. Amen. So go now in the power of his name to live in that same grace and mercy to do to others as you would have done to you. Go in the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.